Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Unbelievable. You and two. I'm going to be seven minutes late. Seven's not bad for you. With you and two at nine past. That was four minutes ago. For a man who doesn't really do anything for a living, he's late a lot, isn't he? Where is he? Is he what, back? What, is, what has he been doing tonight? I don't know. Is he back from Italy? I don't even know. There, there it is. Yes, I am back from Italy. <laughs> back from Italy. And it's not been easy, all right? Do with a little bit of fraternal support. My boiler doesn't work. It's, it's, tw- it's like 25 work. degrees. Well, you're rich. Just get it fixed. Doesn't matter if it's twenty five to fucking breeze, does it? Have you ever washed? Have you ever no. washed in your life? <laughs> no. I mean, you know, it's it. I can't wash up. I can't wash myself. I can't do anything. I'm surrounded by dust. I've got pneumonia, ultra microscopic silico volcano fucking coniosis from the sheer quantity of dust that is traveling through my look spacious high ceilinged flat, but it can feel very very small when two of your rooms are being done up at the same time and everything's got to be piled into one fucking place and your boiler doesn't work. You've been and surrounded a... by dust for about 40 years. You Screw could. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a tough time of it. And, uh, and, I, and I, could, I could do with some help. Why don't you go, why don't you watch Wim Hof and get used to cold showers? Wim, Wim fucking Hof can fuck right off. <laughs> I've... <laughs> I've I've watched bits of that program and it's it's that is bang out of order. You cannot be suggesting that people do that. It's dangerous, and it it, it makes me feel more like a wimp than ever before. Wimp off. I was, I was, I was, Your wimp off. He's wimp off. Yeah. Your wimp off. Like I I was. It was about fourteen fifteen degrees in Italy, and the swimming pool was there for about nine ten degrees. And Matt Pryor, not the Matt Pryor, another Matt Pryor, who's Father created Merlin, who's a very tall man. He used to play a lot in the Middlesex leagues and used to be very good at cricket before his back got fucked. 
and he's frighteningly handsome and looks like Sean Connery, would jump into this pool every fucking morning and then talk to us about the wonders of wild water swimming and how brilliant it was to be in somewhere that was only four degrees. And uh, I was still struggling with a hangover, toothache, um, hair loss, uh, age, <laughs> misery. <laughs> I mean, honestly, to God, I fucking, it really gets me down the kind of vim and vigor of the young. And you must have done, uh, you must still have to do the old ice bath all the time. Um, no, it's gone out of the game a little bit. Is it? It's, um, oh, yeah, it was a, they, they, these things come and go. At the moment, it's the, um, the recovery pump leggings that are, um, that are the rage. They're like these blow up leggings that you put on. It's like you're inside a bouncy castle uh, and you've got them wrapped around your legs and they blow up and then deflate and then blow back up again and deflate. And um, it pushes all the lactic acid, apparently, out of your system. Oh, that sounds better than ice. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind an ice bath. I more prefer contrast baths, though. What's one of them? Well, so you have a hot bath and a cold bath next to each other, and you go from the ice bath into the hot bath. I'd always make the... um, the physio or the strength and conditioning coach put bubbles in the hot bath just to make you feel a little bit more at home um, and comfortable. But yeah, you'd go through the pain of the ice bath um, and then get straight in the hot bath and you'd share your bath water with your teammates naturally. Some would wear pants, some wouldn't. I was of the uh, the wooden variety. Um, uh, and yeah, you just flip from bath to bath, share your bath water, get in the shower and get in the car and drive home. So what was the difference between, like, because if you weren't wearing the pant and you go from the hot bath, which is one that naturally engorges the groin, to the (laughs) cold bath, which naturally shrinks the groin, what would you say was a coefficient of shrinkage? Um, Well, what I would say is we're not um, on test match special now. You can say the cock. (laughs) Rather than the groin, because that uh, that well, no, I was using the groin as a test match. I mean, I'm I'm taking into I'm taking into account the scrotum as well, the whole groinal area, because I mean, it's 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 all very well shrinking, but it's it's when the scrotum actually kind of like moves right back up into the body. That I mean, that hasn't quite happened to me yet. um, Yeah, they've they've not quite shriveled back up inside myself. I mean, can you imagine how far Dan's would have to go nowadays as well to shrivel back (laughs) up? That's the thing. But that's why I was questioning groin. That's why I was. uh, That's why I was questioning groin because your groins aren't that long. That's that's the inside of your knees where they dangle. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Stand corrected. Stand corrected. Okay. So what? So what was the coefficient of cock shrinkage? Well, it was just you know you were Third, all open and uh, open and honest as a as a team, and you know you, you compare, see who fared the best. Mm. Now, who who are, who after they came out of the hot bath would you uh, would leave you know significant damage the in biggest their impression? <laughs> well, a few of my teammates have pissed in it before. That's oh. damage. That, that, yeah, oh. somebody's going. This cold bath's not very cold anymore. Was it? Was it? By the way, was it? Was it the wicket keeper? Was it? Was his name Scott? What was his name? Because because John you, Simpson. No, no, the one before him. No, you had a you had a like a kind of a, there was a short. Oh, Ben was, Scott. 
Ben Scott. He struck and me as I him was David Nash. Yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be in a hot tub near him. And I say that you because I catch. was in a hot tub near him in the Jury's Inn in Bristol in about 2012. And How when the I fuck saw him, Jury's Inn have a hot tub. Have you not been? At, I think you might even have been in that hot tub. And uh, I was doing. I was doing a county game. It was Gloucestershire against Middlesex, obviously, and uh, in Bristol in the Jury's Inn. And I was in a hot tub. And even Gus got in, obviously very miserably, along with uh, the entirety of the Middlesex team, and I got out instantly. I feel like you're dreaming here, because first and foremost, I don't believe the jury's in has a hot tub. Second of all, how big was this hot tub to fit Angus Fraser plus the entire Middlesex team in? Absolutely huge it was. Well, it would have to be, yeah. Um, That's space for seven or eight. Uh, I was I in think... there on my own, and they came in hairily and danglingy, and it, oh, I couldn't be doing with that anymore. I went back to my room and um, you know read a book. <laughs> yeah, read a book in inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. well actually, I went, I went to the bar. Finney, can we go back to one thing that you said there? These tall, fast bowlers who are meant to be fearsome and brutish, you insisted on bubbles being in the hot bath, did you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was a prerequisite of me agreeing to do the contrast bathing was the fact that I wanted um, a couple of candles and some bubbles in the bath uh, and just to set the scene so I can enjoy myself. Because the way you do it would be you'd start in the cold bath, you do two minutes, then you get out the cold bath in the hot, you do two minutes and you rotate through three times. You do two minutes, two minutes but you'd always make sure you end up in the hot bath to finish. Um, and you'd just sit there and have a 10 or 15 minute, uh, 10 or 15 minute bath. It was lovely. And did you put the bubbles like, on your face? Like you were Santa Claus, like, like when you were seven years old, did you? Well, of, like, no, because I was wary of the other people that had been in the bath before me. Um, yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to put those bubbles anywhere near my face. Well, you had someone else's piss all over your bubbles, didn't you? Basically. Yes. Mm. We I suppose we should start the podcast at some point. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Tons Given. Now, cricket season has got underway for the pros and it is now underway for clubs and villages all around the country as well, including myself after a couple of warm-up games. The league proper began for me this weekend and my mighty club, Stoke Dabberton, down in Surrey, who are playing in Division 1. And it got off to pretty much the most stereotypical club cricket start ever. Our captain was tearing his hair out before the game had even started. So I left my spikes at home. So my long-suffering better half Pippa had to put them in an Uber that was an hour and 10 minutes long and pay 50 quid to send them to me so that they arrived in time for the game. Already... Already, this is an outrageous story because most other clubs' players can't afford 50 quid to send their fucking spikes. To I know, right? right? Exactly. Well, so well, Stoke Dabberton is a well-posh club, right? It is a well-posh yeah. club, but also I had no choice because I was too far down the train line. I wasn't going to be able to go back and get back in time for the start of the game. So I, I was kind of, I was going to have to take that money hit. I wasn't delighted about it. I mean, the spikes are only about a hundred quid when I bought them. So they basically was half my spikes again. <laughs> and on a quick tangent, I once played in Lord's Taverners game at Windsor Castle where Devon Malcolm turned up without his shoes, without his spikes. 
And he was completely deadpan, straight face in the change room going, has anybody got any size 14s I can borrow? <laughs> Funnily enough, Devin, no, none of us do have any size 14 spare at the moment. So I left my spikes at home. They were in an Uber to the ground. One of my mates, Jack, he had been looking at the wrong day's train timetable. So he had planned to get a train that didn't exist. So he was running late. Another bloke had locked his bag in the clubhouse. And our entire kit for the season, because we play in coloured clothing for half the season for the white ball stuff, our entire kit didn't turn up. There was a problem with the print manufacturers. So we had to sort of make up a kit out of some like fruit of the loom, plain black t-shirt and some tracksuit bottoms. So it was a shambles before the game had even got underway. Then we go and play away at Cranley, who are a proper side, just yeah, got they relegated. Are. They are. The Cran- Cran- Cranley are real. For those, those people who don't know the Surrey Championship, Cranley, and they're terribly posh and they really, they jump on village. They don't like village at Cranley. They were not impressed. They've just got relegated from the Premier League playing against the Sunbury's and Wimbledon's of this world. And here's little old Stoke Dublin turning up in a makeshift kit. Uh, so we lost the toss. They put us into bat. I don't blame them. They probably thought, here we go, we'll be in the bar by about four o'clock. We scraped our way up to a very respectable 170 for eight off our 50 overs. You know, mm. thanks largely to my two not out at the end. That's Off not of- very respectable at all, actually. Is it? it's, it's about it's about 68 runs below par. Yeah, and we were also about, I think we were about 70 for north as well. So there was quite the collapse in there. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we went out to bowl and their two opening batsmen knocked off the 170 on their own. <laughs> Did you bowl much? I bowled about six overs for probably about 40. About uh, six overs for yeah, probably about forty. Was, was it six? Was it six overs for forty? I'd imagine it was about five point four overs for about thirty-five, <laughs> something like that. And uh, I, I, the scary thing is, I think my first over went for one run, and then he realised how shit I was and proceeded to launch me into the car park. Uh, then I thought I'd follow that up with the slower ball. He picked that one and then spanked me through mid wicket for four which point my captain gave me a blow. And then I came back on to bowl at them and they were about 158 for naught. So mm. uh, successful first game of the season. Now, over the course of the season, if any of our two listeners play village cricket or club cricket, please inundate us with your cricketing stories every weekend. Past or present, at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter, at Zero Ducks Pod on Instagram as well. Finny, after hearing all of this, no doubt you are shaking in your shaking in your boots after agreeing to a net session with me. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Right. Not even a little bit of fear, the trepidation. No. Okay. Good. Right. <laughs> well, the good news is for our club is that. We're pretty sure Cranley are going to go straight back up to the Premier League. We're not really, you know, we're, we're, we're competing in different halves this season, us and Cranley, essentially. But it was a very village start to the season. And now we're just hoping our kit turns up for week two. That is about the most village story I've heard so far this week from a side that's genuinely actually good as opposed to a village side. I mean, you know, Finney, I have a lot of respect for in entirely dismissing everything that you ever do as having any kind of um, quality whatsoever. But but I also know that having played in the Surrey Championship a lot, being in Division 1 of the Surrey Championship, that's, that's handy. I mean, going for eight and over and not taking a wicket and mm. not being able to score a run and can't mm. even turn up with the right boots on mm. counts against you. Mm. 
But broadly speaking, you're playing in a reasonable, you're playing a reasonable standard of cricket. You really are. But I don't know what's happened at Stoke Dowden. I mean, who, wh- wh- why is it? Because, you know, you, you went up through the divisions. And have you got complacent? Um, well, it's, it's a sign of ill discipline, isn't it? The sign yep. of a poor cricket team gets the yep. small things wrong. Yep. And if you're going to have a disastrous start to the season, as they have, and, and not tick every box and cross every T, then you're leaving yourself open to being dipped on every week. So um, I really look forward to it, to be quite <laughs> I like. I really look forward to coming on here every Monday, because we do this every fucking Monday. Mm. And... Hearing mm. how miserable Toby's weekends mm. been, I hope it continues. To be quite frank, is there any tip, Finny, that you might give him for how he might, you know, uh, turn this around? I mean, well, I've I, seen when, when you start that badly, just give up. <laughs> just give up. Just give up. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen him bowl, and I just, I'd give up. Yeah, Finny. Now, obviously, you enjoy hanging out with me and doing this podcast every Monday. Um, you're quite a handy cricketer. Why don't you come along and join Stoke? It's only 160 quid. I'll get because you missed the first week. I'll do 150 for you. You pay a tenner every week, and then we we will get Domino's and have a few beers after the game. So you could hang out with me all day Saturday as well. I mean that that way you might actually get a game finished. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no way that I would um I would improve my diet to come and play for Stoke Dagenham. <laughs> um, there's, there's no way I'd let that happen. <laughs> No, I, I am hoping to, or I will be fit for our championship game this week. It's a shame I didn't get to play against my old team, Middlesex, but we can move on to that later. Well, you say that. I mean, they're, they're, I saw John Simpson was out there and I, I, I thought it's probably just as well that you mm. weren't bowling. Mm. It's true. Well, we'll come back to that. We'll do the county championship at the end of the podcast because we've been opening with it recently, but we'll come back to uh, Finney and his many, many cricketing demons a bit later on. However, one of the stories I want to talk about before the county championship, you'll remember him fondly from your childhood, W.G. Grace. I don't know oh. if you saw this story, but W.G. Grace has had yeah. some runs deducted from his yes. career. The Association of Cricket Statisticians and Historians, who, by the way, I'm sure they're lovely, but fuck me, I bet that's a boring night out. What? Hanging out with How the Association. I'll tell you what, I bet they'd beat Stoke Dagenham at cricket. <laughs> They're also some of the most interesting and fascinating. I'd, I'd rather spend my Monday night with the Association of Greek Statisticians than you two, I can tell they you They can have you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> well, the Association of Cricket Statisticians and Historians, I'm joking, of course. I'm sure they're lovely, lovely chaps. They basically don't think all of WG Grace's games should officially count as proper games. And they tried to get them a few runs and games expunged from his record a few years ago. And they said no, but now eventually Wisden have said we should focus on reality rather than romance. And so as a result, I mean, his numbers are now pathetic. His first class runs is now down to a measly 54,211 from the 54,896. And even more embarrassing for WG Grace, he no longer has 2,876 first class wickets. He has 2,809 and only 124 first-class centuries. He basically might as well not have bothered playing the game, Daniel. No, you're absolutely right. And I can tell you exactly why this has happened. It's that Wisden have taken, under the tutelage of Lawrence Booth, the editor of Wisden, he's finally decided to, well, I say he's finally decided, he, he has decided to bite the bullet and find out 
about these statistical anomalies. And the WG Grace one is amazing because the reason why we had his stats as they were is because in a particular year, I think it's 1882, three, something like that, they were trying to get him to 2,000 runs, right? And he got so close to 2,000 runs playing normal first-class cricket that essentially the newspapers and lunatics, because W.G. Grace was an amazing figure in the 1880s. I mean, he was like the biggest sort of Victorian character imaginable. Um, they wanted to get him to 2,000 runs. So he played these two or three matches that were against like the, the gentlemen of Hereford and the gentlemen of Rutland. And nobody else in that game has first-class stats, only W.G. Grace. Right. <laughs> so uh, Wisdom took the very reasonable view that this was a bag of shit mm. and realised that they were made-up games in order to try to get W.G. Grace at 2,000 runs. But in, in looking into it, they discovered a couple of other anomalies with two of the greats of the game. So W.G. Grace is, you know, one of the greatest, well, if not the greatest cricketer who's ever lived, the pioneer of cricket. Then you've got the greatest batter and the greatest bowler. So the greatest batter is is John Jack Hobbs, John Berry Hobbs, uh, who's got 61,000 first-class runs, and Wilf Rhodes, the greatest bowler, with 4,100-plus wickets. And they've altered their stats as well. So Jack Hobbs, everybody always thought he had 197,000 runs, something like that. Turns out that he got two extra hundreds playing in a match in Ceylon. No, I'm not racist. It was called that then. Now Sri Lanka. On the way through, that were genuinely first class. So he ends up his career with 199 <laughs> first class hundreds. It makes it even worse. That even worse. Gutting. 197, I could live with. 199, fucking nightmare. I mean, it's and, weird that he stopped at 197 in the first place. Really, Couldn't they have just wheeled him out like Hannibal Lecter for a few more? Don't you reckon? And then Wilf Rhodes, they've added a first-class game, and it's the weirdest game. So Wilf Rhodes, the great Yorkshire and England all-rounder, who famously opened the batting with Jack Cobb, scored 187 in England's highest ever opening partnership with 323 against the Australians at Sydney in 1911-12, I believe. Um also batted almost every position from 1 to 11. He, turns out, he played in a game for the Hindus and the Parsis against the Muslims and the Europeans. And so they've added a wicket or two to him and added some runs, but his averages in both have slightly dropped, which has caused a little bit of upset in Yorkshire because the average has gone down, but, but the numbers have gone up. So there's some serious shit that's happened in this year's wisdom that, for people of a certain type and temperament, like me, has been quite tough, actually. I've lost a bit of sleep over it. And, um, and, you're you're, know, you're down to just, some other guys, down to just some 14 hours a night then. Yeah, down to 14, yes. Down to <laughs> 13 and a half. It's been, um, it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough. And, well, uh, and, for, and for those of you out there who are of my disposition, the two or three of you, I feel your pain. Now, Finney, what we need to do about this is we need to get some people, like saddos like Daniel Norcross, thank you, to pour over your 36 test matches. Because what's the story about your bowling average tipping just over 30 right at the end? Well, it happened in my last test match, and it's the only, the only time I've ever had my test match average over 30, I think, outside of my first two games. Mm. 
And so what we need to do is we need to get some sort of lawyers and statisticians to pour over your 36 test matches and somehow find a loophole for why a game where you didn't take many wickets should be expunged from your record. And we can get your ball. Interesting enough, didn't, uh, Graham Swan, who's a, I, I suppose he's a little bit sharper than Stephen Finn. Um, Graham Swan. He quit mid-Ashes series with his bowling average at 29.96, didn't he? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's very convenient. Very, very convenient. See, see that's Finney. You should have faked it. As soon as you knew your bowling average was at 29.99, you should have faked an injury is what you should have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um it is annoying though because the one thing or one of the things that you do try and gauge yourself on as a bowler is having your bowling average under 30 in test matches. Yeah. And yeah, to creep over in that last game is majorly disappointing. I've yeah, but it was I'm trying to think so if long, there are any for so long it was. So like I mean this is one of the things that I find fascinating about what it must be like to be a cricketer because your average could be over 40 at some point in your life and under 30 if you're a bowler at some point in your life. And yet you're always measured on the end of your career, which is really unfair. I mean, can't you just take a snapshot of when you were perfect? Like when you averaged like 22.5 with a ball and like 11 and a half with a bat. Yeah, but the, the, the true test of a cricketer or the true way to judge a cricketer is through longevity isn't it because you can be a flash in the pan but that's why people love test cricket is because the statistics that are built over the course of a career the people with the lower bowling average over the course of an entire career and the people with the higher battering average are the best best players i get that i get that but imran khan played roughly 50 test matches in the middle of his career when he averaged 19 with the ball and 50 with the bat but his actual overall statistics are made up of the shit that he did at the beginning of his career. Similarly, mm. Andrew Flintoff had three years when he was absolutely fantastic. And either side of that was incredibly mediocre. So, you know, the experience of being a great cricketer when you're being a great cricketer is that you're doing great things, isn't it? And like George Headley, the nearest person to Bradman, the black Bradman, as he was called, he was basically forced to play test cricket when he wasn't good enough to do it in his 40s after the war. And his average came down from like 70 to about 61. And it, if it had been 70, that would have been absolutely staggering, whereas 61 was just completely amazing. I, I, I agree. And look, we talked about Ben Stokes the other week about how statistically he's, you know, his stats aren't amazing, but we'll always remember those brave bowling spells and that innings at Headingley and some of his amazing innings he's played over the years and his very selfless innings and bowling spells that he's done. So statistics don't tell everything. Now, my question for you, Finney, is would you sacrifice some wickets? Would you rather have, say, you got 125 test wickets mm -hmm. at 30.4? Would you rather have 115 at 29.99? Yeah, of course you would. Uh, yeah, definitely. You would. That's 10 wickets yeah. you're sacrificing there. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll speak to the cricket st statisticians and see if we can find some sort of... The average, the average is all important. The average is all important. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Jimmy Anderson, by the way, I'd imagine his bowling average is 26.6 now. 
with 640 wickets, which is unbelievable. But I'd imagine that would have come down a lot since the age of 30. Well, I reckon his bowling average went a bit about 30 when he was 30. It's, he's, he's bowling, his bowling average his bowling average about the last seven years is around about 23. He's, mm. he's, he's 23, 22. And yeah, what you should really be allowed to do with Jimmy is take off the first 30 test matches he played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you get one of the greatest bowlers who ever lived. Or why don't you just acknowledge that what we've watched for the last 10 years is one of the greatest bowlers who ever lived? And that yes. might do the trick. Can we get some stats done? If there's any saddos listening to this, some stats from Jimmy Anderson pre and post hair dye. When he stopped dyeing his hair with stupid blonde Good and point. red streaks, that's when he started bowling better. I'd like to see his stats for, for with and without hair dyeing. So if anybody's actually, got a lot of time it, on their hands. This is an issue for Finney because he's obviously using just for men. And mm. I do think that it has all gone a little bit wrong in mm. the last few years since he's been yeah. trying to hide the grey. Yeah, that's true, actually. I've actually only... I've got grey specs and I'm embracing them. Although in this light now, I'm sat... I mean, it's like I'm in fucking Westminster Abbey. There's that many candles on in this place at the moment. But it's... I The, the grey bits or the grey street. Why? Because my girlfriend likes candles. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it tends to be the reason why there are candles in a man's house. She a goth um, or what? What's going on? No, no, they're just... It's quite peaceful, isn't it? Look, no, I'll show you. The goths, the goths famously like candles. Yes, of course they do. It's all part of like kind of a whole sort of funereal oh, atmosphere. Very isn't mood it? lighting. There's, there's probably yeah, not been this many candles is. around Stephen Finn since he was last in a hot bath with England. Does she not exactly. care about the environment? I mean, you're killing other people's children. I don't have any, so I don't really care. But you know, yeah, the, all these, all the, all the fumes and the the carbon. Well, I'd rather that than pay for electricity. We're not all as rich as you. Yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Look at you. Look at you with all your lights on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, Show well, off. I, I do live in a luxurious you've got the boiler on all day well, you? Yeah. Oh, don't bring up the boiler, Finney, whatever you do. Now, I've got... Actually, I've, whilst we're here, actually, I've, I need to discuss this. Goths, you don't see them as much as you used to. I've, in the noughties, well, there would always be a goth on every high street, but I've not seen a goth in ages. Come to Brighton. Uh, Brighton, is that where they've gone? It's an eclectic mix of people down here. Yeah, I like it a lot because you can you get embraced for wearing whatever on earth you want. So I went out the other day in a, a pair of linen trousers um, and my earring, you know, and a, and a dodgy shirt that was oversized. You could have fitted about 12 pairs of legs in the baggy linen trousers that I was wearing and no one batted an eyelid at me. It was wonderful. <laughs> just tip, tipping tipping your trilby to the goths as you walk past them. exactly and if my dad were to see me in it he'd say what the fuck are you wearing <laughs> sorry just to be clear when you did that when you were wandering around West Hampstead did people used to stop you in the street there I mean I, I don't you get I don't... the odd funny look you get the odd funny look but here here it's a very accepting place I like it very much they're very friendly people somebody once yeah. I once talked on Radio X about the fact that you never see goths anymore and somebody once texted to me saying that in Dundee, I think it was, there's a load of goths that hang outside the Argos there. And, and all the locals call them the Argos. <laughs> 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 so there are some around, which is, which is nice to hear. Uh, now, one very quick thing before we do uh, tuck into the county championship. But did anybody see the Liam Livingston six in the IPL, which was an absolute monster? I'll tell you. Right. Toby, 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 Toby. No, I didn't. And I wanted to explain it to me in my new detail. I'll tell you why I didn't. 
because I was in fucking Italy. <laughs> and every time I tried to find the fucking video of it, it said, you can't watch this in this jurisdiction. Oh, we are in Italy. Oh, it's the EU. Oh, we are not. It's not fair. So um, can someone just fucking tell me where he hit it? Can you actually tell me what foot he hit it off and where he hit it and what the ball looked like and how far it went? Mohamed Shami ran in and he bowled length, basically, at Livingston, which is a bit of a mistake. I, worth pointing out, Livingston had only faced four balls at this point for two runs. He, had, he hadn't really got hold of any of the first four balls he faced. Shami ran in and bowled length on about middle and leg stump and Liv Livingston, the only way I can describe it, is it was like he hit a driver in golf, but straight through the leg side. So he basically played with a, sh- a complete straight line, perpendicular across his body, the a purest golf drive you've ever seen. He met this ball on his legs and sent it perfectly over deep square leg into the top, top, top tier of the IPL. Now he hit that six in the uh, ODIs for England last year out of Headingley, didn't he, over the pavilion? And that was a serious hit, I think, against Pakistan, was it? I can't remember. Correct. But this was every bit as big. It's as big. It's the biggest six I think I've ever seen in the IPL. It was absolutely enormous. Now, the reason I bring this up is, first of all, because it was wonderful. But secondly, Kevin Peterson, who's not shy of an opinion on Twitter, no. said something recently on Twitter. He said that every six over 100 metres should be worth 12 runs. Now, that is ridiculous. However, I don't hate that rule in certain formats, the 100 maybe, IPL. Now, Finney, you're a bowler, and I know you're going to hate this, but a six over 100 metres, I'm happy for that to be an eight. How are you measuring it? Yeah. With the technology yes. How are you use. measuring it? How are you what measuring technology? it? With the technology How is it they accurate? use. With the world, How is it accurate? I mean, it, it must be. But they can't just pick numbers what? up. It must be. It must be. It's bollocks. Fuck me. You are, you're a bigger pleb than anyone fucking thought in the first place. <laughs> it's bollocks. It's bollocks. What, what, so what, someone's going to get one of those fucking spinny wheels out in club cricket on a Saturday when you get smashed into a fucking I'm, cabbage patch. I'm not talking about club cricket. Play out every fucking week. I'll, I'll you're going to get the umpire to get the umpire to come out with a, a spinny wheelie meter marker and... <laughs> Oh, where did that one land? Like we're at the circus doing a fucking shot put competition. Don't be so stupid. Good Lord. Can I say, can I say, Finney's totally wrong about leg buys, but he's totally right about this, right? This is absolutely How right. am I not wrong? How am I wrong about leg no, buys? No, 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 no. Finney, 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 Finney. Stupid thing Finney, to say. Finney, you're, you're Good wrong Lord. about, you're, you're, you're wrong about leg buys because you're a bowler, but, uh, but you, until you can actually, until you can actually say what you mean by 117 metres. I mean, what does it mean? Do you mean from the moment the ball hits the bat to the moment it lands on the ground? And given that every single 117 metre six always lands on something, but that's not the ground, it's like a fucking roof or a bit of the... Nobody knows. It's absolute nonsense. I'm sorry. This idea of the the distance of it is all made up. It's absolute bollocks. Finney's... No, the only one that's ever been accurate is the 96-metre six I hit at Brisbane off Shane Watson. Oh, no, I agree. (laughs) That was accurate. That's the only one that is entirely accurate. If anything... It landed on the 96-metre mark. Yeah, no, that was in negative equity. It was actually bigger, I think. Um, have you seen the golf technology now when you watch golf on Sky? They, they they track the ball. They give you the apex of the ball. They give you all the numbers, degree, 
wind That's speed. Bollocks. They can track, no, they can, bollocks, in this day and age, they can work out how far a cricket ball's going. Easy. Everyone who knows professional sport that it's bullshit. Until that ball lands, I don't believe any of that crap. Because you don't know what the wind's going to be like, like from the outside of the stadium. You don't know whether, like the backdraft, the woof. You don't know how many taxis are going past simultaneously or people just puffing out generally, making a slight amount of wind difference. You've no idea. But it's bollocks. It's bollocks. It's a, the, the six distance is broadly okay. bollocks. Okay, hear me I'll out. I'll tell you what would make cricket interesting. No, hear me out. I'll tell you what would make cricket interesting. <laughs> Something for a fucking bowler for a change. How about that? <laughs> Scratch the shit out of one side of the ball whenever you want. Reverse swing. Most yeah. exciting thing in a cricket game. Watching someone score 12 runs for a fucking 100 metre six that's speculative in the first place is stupid. <laughs> I okay. couldn't agree with him more. Quick game is a good game. Let them do whatever they want to that ball. Let us get into the bar quickly. All as long as it. the fees are not by the minute. If it's yeah. by the minute, then we want that. Then we want five <laughs> days. Right, well, that was an yeah. overwhelming note. Well, you can message us at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter and Instagram and, and any rule changes you'd like to see in the game, then do let us know. Very quickly, because we talked about um, goffs and loads of other stuff. So very quickly, I need to get to the county championship. Ben Stokes, all this talk of him being weighed down by the England captaincy. Yeah, it looks like he's really struggling with it. If you didn't see this week, Ben Stokes for Durham, it just at his absolute brutal best. He came out, his first innings, Red Bull innings since he's been announced as England captain, and he went absolutely berserk. He finished on 161. He broke the first class record for most sixes in an innings. I tuned into the live stream when he was on about 60. And it felt like about five minutes later, he was raising his bat for his 100. At one point, he scored 53 runs off 10 balls. Um, I mean, just obscene, ridiculous. Finney, when he's batting like that, he's, he's superhuman at times, Ben Stokes, isn't he? Yeah, I, I watched him firsthand do that in Cape Town in South Africa in 2015-16. And yeah, it was beautiful to watch. Because uh, he was on my team, it wouldn't have been beautiful to watch if I was bowling against him. But yeah, it's just effortless. I mean, so it's funny when with now the inception of all these ways that you can watch every four and six from a county game or even bloody county second eleven game on NV Play, which is the the live player that you can get your your replays through. And and yeah, the sort of word goes around. Oh my word, have you seen Stokes? Have you seen Stokes? And every time you refreshed the page, the, the sixes column was just going up and up and up. It was ridiculous. But yeah, he, he's a brutal hitter, but it, it's so elegant. It's not, um, it's not slogging. He just makes it look so easy and, and I'm incredibly jealous. I, I watched, I, I say I watched that. I followed that from a hilltop in Italy and there were a couple of things in there that were just extraordinary. Firstly, KP saying, well, it's second division and this is why we need franchise cricket. And it was quite interesting. He pointed out by a tweeter whose name I can't remember. I'm really sorry about it, but if you're listening, you were right. He didn't take any wickets, so they needed to franchise the batting, but not franchise the bowling. <laughs> was that was that was was that what we needed to do? KP, thank you very much. Um, and the other thing was that it suddenly ignited Twitter in an extraordinary way. Ben Stokes was trending playing a second division county championship game because he was smashing sixes all over the place. He got to 17 sixes, which is the most number of sixes by anybody in an English 
match of any kind, white ball, red ball. I mean, it's it, it's over 100 runs in sixes is the, the holy grail that no one's managed to do in this country. Colin Monroe hit 23 out of innings of 281, but Stokes did it. He, Stokes hit 17 sixes out of 100 and whatever it was he got in the end, 160-odd. I mean, it was... 160-odd, yeah. It was utterly ridiculous. It was utterly ridiculous. And it was, yet again, a great thing for the county championship, great thing for live streaming. It was a great thing for social media. It was a great thing for domestic cricket in this country. And we should love the fact that that happens. We should be a bit more annoyed about the fact that it's not covered in mainstream media a bit more. You know, it would have been lovely to see that on Sky Sports News a bit more, on the BBC a bit more, you know, take that footage and and show us what's happening out there in the county game because you get that in in, uh, domestic football all the time. You get it in domestic rugby and yet there's a lot of domestic cricketers out there whose incredible feats are not properly showed on the mainstream media, but it was bloody magnificent to watch, even in numbers from a freezing cold hilltop, slightly pissed on rum in Italy. And it's, it's, it's an example we talked about earlier with Ben Stokes. He, it was the right time to do it. Durham were already on a huge score and he was out there to try and score some quick runs so they could declare. He didn't just decide, I'm going to go out there and tee off from the off. It was it was a genuine situation to, to do it, but he just but did it he loved, was, Wasn't he well. lovely with a bowler? Wasn't he lovely with a bowler? Because, you know, he's been hit for four sixes by Carlos Brathwaite in the T20 finals. And he took the time out to send a message to the bowler that basically said, you know, the, 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 this shit happens. Um, chin up. You, you'll be okay. Mm. Well, Josh um, Baker, 18 years old. Uh, if you didn't see Ben Stokes hit him for 34 off his over and the sixth ball, well, he bottled it, Stokesy. Maybe he felt sorry for the kid and purposely let it land about 10 yards short of the rope. Um, but our colleague and friend, Adam Collins, put out a very good tweet that said, poor Josh Baker, just 18 years old, he was 10 yards away from having a gig as an after-dinner speaker for the rest of his life. It's very yeah. true. Nobody remembers the guy that went for 34. It just ends up being a horrible over and you don't even make any money off the back of it. If it's Chat. any consolation, Toby, if it's any consolation, sorry for Stats fans, Malcolm Nash held the record for going for the two worst overs in, uh, in cricket in England. 36 off Gary Sobers, but he also went for 34 in another over. So 34... You could you could just about get some kind of afternoon circuit out of it. Probably don't to, bowl Malcolm Nash at, at the death would be my advice. Uh, Broadie Broadie had it done, didn't he? Brought Yuvraj Singh did it to Broadie. Um, and do you remember Dimitri Mascarenas did a five sixes in a row off Yuvraj Singh at the end of an ODI as well? Yes, yes, he, he did. The first Which, ball the over the for, oval, wasn't it? That's right. And he inexplicably the first ball the over he tried to like run it down to third man and played and missed it. And then he went, "Oh, screw this." <laughs> the next five balls into the crowd. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, so, yeah, Josh Baker, don't worry. There's been plenty of good bowlers over the year that have been uh, a victim of that sort of treatment. And I, I don't think anyone could have bowled anywhere at Ben Stokes the way he was hitting it the other day. But nice to see. I don't think the England captaincy is weighing him down too much. Um, chaps, I'll leave you to finish. Uh, uh, cross. I'll let you go and cover yourself in dust. No, what? what? No, you won't. No, no, no. Oh, no, you no, want to talk no. about Surrey being top of Div One? <clears throat> I don't want to talk about it. I just want to let everybody know that we are top of the league. Yes, we are top of the league. Surrey, who no one, no one had as their preseason favourites, 
They've won three games at home. They've played out two board draws on flat decks. There's been a million and one runs scored in the county championship in April and early May. And there's one side that's managed to win three games out of five. And they sit astride the top of the county championship, despite their injuries, despite missing Ollie Pope and Jamie Smith and Reese Topley this week. They have trashed yet another side by an innings. It's a beautiful and remarkable thing. And uh, I think all fans of cricket will be delighted to see Surrey at the top of the county championship division one. Yes, delighted. Now, I should point out that uh, actually I'm glad you did interrupt me because I nearly missed the biggest cricketing story of the week. Darren and Stevens. Darren Stevens. Forget Ben Stokes' 100. Who cares? Darren Stevens, 168 against the Sri Lanka Cricket Development First Eleven. However, do you know my favourite figure about Darren Stevens? What is he, 46 years old now, is it? He is. 46 years old. Why is he playing? Why is he playing against the Sri Lanka Cricket Development Eleven? And not only did he get 168, he bowled 26 overs in their first innings. <laughs> Why? <laughs> He's also the oldest man to score 150 since about 1957. He's like, it's, it's, he's, I think when you go back into it, his score and his age, you go back to about 1910 and he's in the top three people to be that old scoring that many runs. I mean, he might end up being struck off like WG Grace's. (laughs) <laughs> in a few years' time. Yeah, it might know. well be, actually. I mean, forget the Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka emerging cricketers possibly doesn't really count yet. That actually, that's a, really, that's a really good point, Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Rob Key, who knows Darren Stevens very well, now in charge of English cricket, maybe this is the summer we finally see a well-deserved Steve-O call-up. Um, Finney, you can get back to your candles. Norcross, you can get back to your boilerless dust hole of a home. And I'll see you both next week. I love you all. Can't wait. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.